Welcome back to the Rob Skinner Podcast. My goal is to inspire you to live a no regrets life, make this life count, and multiply disciples, leaders, and churches. Today on my program, I have Nick Schaff. Nick Schaff is the founder of JamQuest, a charity project aimed to help orphans in Africa. It started when he was only 13 years old, and he's still doing it at the age of 25. He started in 2008 in eighth grade. He was sitting on the couch watching TV and got inspired to do something. And so he started a three-on-three basketball tournament, and it's grown and spread since that time. Uh, Nick is one of the finest young men I've, I've ever met and a true uh, blessing to have here on the program. Nick, welcome to the program. Hey, thanks, Rob. It's good to see you. Nick, we've known each other because our, our parents, uh, you know, we're friends with your parents. And uh, Pam was a young Christian with your mom back in the Boston days. And I knew your dad yep. when he went to Japan. And uh, they're just great friends of ours. So it's great to have you on the program. It's great to watch your development. Yeah, thanks. It's obviously great, too, to be roommates with David, you know, back in the day and, you know, just be a fan of James's from afar and, you know, Anna McKenzie kind of being great, just great friends the whole way, too. So I feel like just so connected with the Skinner, the Skinner crew. That's right. Thank you. Nick, can you share how you became a Christian? Sure. So I became a Christian when I was a freshman in high school and, um, you know, gr- growing up in the church, you had a. Uh, you know, for me, the, the biggest thing was my dad was just kind of my hero and he was my best friend still to this day. And, uh, you know, there's when you're a little kid, you're, you're the heroes you look up to and people you want to become like. And so it was him and then a lot of the guys that he hung out with. And, uh, and so I think there was always a part of me that was like, hey, all I know is I want to be like my dad someday. <laughs> all I know is I want to be like cooler guys. And, uh, and so when I found out that his hero was Jesus and that he um, he wasn't just you know, who he was because of him, but that he really was trying to follow this guy, Jesus. I was like, oh man, I got to learn about who this guy is. I got to learn about who Jesus is. And, uh, and so growing up, you know, in San Diego, moving to, we moved to Connecticut, you know, when I was, uh, kind of in middle school and, uh, you know, started at that point, you know, kind of thinking about God more, taking it a little bit more seriously. I think in that time in Connecticut, I didn't have a whole lot of guys my age that were also trying to do that. Uh, you know, there wasn't really a team ministry where I was and, um, didn't so it was just kind of me and sitting in subway you know with my dad and learning about jesus and so um i think in that time what was really cool i think was that because you know there weren't a whole lot of guys my age it the you know i think sometimes you can feel a little bit of the peer pressure to have to you know kind of make a decision because all your friends are doing it and i felt like for me what was cool was that i kind of just got to see jesus for who he was and fall in love with him you know just because i thought you know, playing basketball too, you know, I obviously loved coaches and had heroes that were athletes and things like that. And so seeing Jesus as this, just this epic coach and guy that, um, you know, for me, I was like, all I know, you know, I, I'm not totally, you know, super hundred percent knowledgeable on how everything works, but all I know is I want to be on that guy's team and I want to follow him. And, um, you know, I had to, had to overcome, you know, a lot of the a lot of the, uh, you know, challenges you faced in high school and middle school. But I think for me, it was uh, watching Jesus come to life for my parents, watching the adventure it is to be a Christian, that it's not just a, you know, a Sunday, Wednesday kind of club, but it really is, you know, something that's an adventure. Uh, I think for me, I just fell in love with Jesus. And so um, it was kind of part of that. And then also 
JamQuest was kind of a big part of that too. Uh, just kind of focused on doing things that are just trying, you know, focus on others and doing things around the world, I think really helped me as well. So, okay. So let, a let, me, later. let me ask you about this because after 2003, there's a, quite a bit of uh, displacement in the kingdom. Your parents, they went to Connecticut, they left San Diego, they started a house church in Connecticut. And so it was pretty much just your family right there. I know um, Pam and I, we did something similar in Oregon, starting a, a church. Um, I mean, that presents some unique challenges. Can you tell me the, the, the good and the bad side of, of kind of a small house church? Like you said, no, no kids kingdom nearby, at least. I mean, you're not, you weren't too far from the New York City church, I, I take it. Yeah, yeah, in Hartford, mostly Hartford, Connecticut okay. was a little ways away and ended up, you know, well, so I think, yeah, I mean, it definitely had some advantages, had some challenges, you know, I think it'd be one of those things that, you know, I'm not sure I'd like advise someone to go to go do that. I think God actually truly really protected us a lot, you know, in some of those times, and especially for me, kind of put a little bit of a hedge around me when a lot of things I felt like could have gone wrong and felt like God just protected me a lot. And I think a lot of that was really because our family just got really, really close. I think mm-hmm. in that time where um, we did everything together, you know, we uh, we were kind of like going around, I, you know, before that, you know, kind of 2004, we lived in Japan after you guys were there. And that was just a total adventure for our family. And then mm-hmm. going to Connecticut and going across the country, I think um, you just get close and you get you kind of have a lot of talks along the way and you just kind of really bond a lot together. I think some of the advantages were that. For me, you know, it, it taught me how to be like Jesus among among the people where it, I couldn't really rely on a lot of just, you know, the encouragement from people that kind of thought the way I did. And uh, and so it, it taught me, OK, how am I really not going to just go to school and survive? Um, but how do I really go in there and like really make a difference and, and not just kind of run in there, survive and then run back to the church? But really kind of like, how do I go in there like Jesus and make an impact where I am? And, uh, you know, and so. I think that was that was a great learning opportunity for me that I think those kind of seeds planted there and lessons learned kind of carries me forward to today, knowing that um, the church in many ways and the relationships is like a, a luxury and a bonus, you mm-hmm. know, and right. a, um, you know, something that that is that you should cherish and take for granted and shouldn't take for granted, you know, and I think uh, and so and, and kind of the simplicity of like, OK, what would Jesus do? Um, who was he? Let's just try to do that. And it kind of it kind of it was a great, I think, way of just kind of eliminating a lot of this, you know, some of the complexities that come and just kind of keeping things simple. But obviously, you know, there's the difficulties of wishing that you had, you know, other guys in high school that were going through things that you were. And we, we developed those relationships later on, going to teen camps and some things like that. But I think, uh, you know, I think in the day to day, definitely the relationships that you have, the best friends that you have, I think uh, that, that, that presented some more challenging, you know, um, things as you know, you're just trying to figure out how to how to do this thing well and thrive and some things like that. So th- those those were some of the things I think. But uh, definitely the biggest advantage was just kind of really getting my family really close. Right. So your family's close. Must have been some lonely times uh, being being the only teen disciple probably in that town <laughs> or mm-hmm. at least in the school that you're a part of. Challenging. Okay. So then you're 25 now. Is that right? Yeah, 26. Okay, yep. 26. Getting old, you know, really over a quarter century. You're really getting up there there. Um, totally. How did how'd you meet Bree? Can you tell me a little bit about your courtship and, and, and what was special about her? Yeah, so I met, you know, Bree and I got married a little over two years ago now. 
Um, we uh, actually had known each other a little bit from afar. Um, I think actually from some of the, uh, from JamQuest, working with Kenya, um, a couple of years in, her mom actually has Noel, um, well, their whole family had lived, had, had been to Kenya multiple times, kind of helping the church there, helping the, uh, you know, some of the programs there. And so she had heard about me just through kind of the relation, the, the Kenya relationship. And so her mom actually reached out to mine and kind of formed a little friendship. So Brie and I kind of knew of each other from afar, from kind of Connecticut, North Carolina. When I moved down to Georgia, um, you know, uh, we had kind of mutual friends. I actually dated one of her really good friends. And so we kind of started getting to know each other there. And then, uh, and then we were actually asked later on to kind of lead a team to Costa Rica together, a mission team over there to, with some college students to kind of go help the church and uh, go, you know, share our faith on campus out in Costa Rica. And, uh, and so Brie was kind of, had, had led a lot of those teams and I was asked to kind of help go and help lead it with her. You know, and there's something just magical about mission teams, man. You know, you kind of like spending, spending time together, just getting a chance to do good and be on, be on the mission field together, I think was just really bonding for us. And uh, we just became just best of friends doing that and partners. And, um, and so that was kind of how we really met and our, our relationship kind of started from there and just kind of grew and uh, ended up dating it, you know, a few months after we got back. And, um, but uh, the connection was really cool. Started, started way, way before that. And so uh, dated for about for you know a little over a year before we got married and uh now we're here in atlanta and uh married for a couple of years and she is she's incredible she's uh you know she's totally her her global kind of you know just heart and thought process her you know her love for jesus and simplicity on kind of focusing on him she's she's passionate she's a, a huge nerd you know she loves Lord of the Rings. She loves, you know, she's got an <laughs> elvish tattoo on her, on her neck. You know, she's <laughs> the free spirit. And uh, I needed a lot of that in my life. And so uh, she was, she's really, really special and, and amazing. My wife went, went to your wedding and she shared about it. Um, one thing she shared was she was blown away one comment she made, she said it was an awesome wedding, but she was blown away how many times Jesus was mentioned in the wedding ceremony. Now, you know, I'm a religious person. I think we're all, you know, religious persons, you know, spiritual people for sure, love Jesus. But for my wife to say, man, Jesus was mentioned a lot in that wedding. Okay, can you explain that? What, <laughs> I mean, it must have been, Jesus must have been front and center during that wedding. Can you explain where that comes from? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, for us, our main goal is we wanted to honor honor Jesus, you know, and I felt like our our uh, relationship was because of him, and he was both of our heroes. It felt like, man, what would, uh, how can we honor him the most, you know, with all this kind of stuff, and felt like, um, you know, he's our hero, he's who we want to be, he's who we want to follow, and uh, I think, you know, Jesus if you take the religion part out of it, I mean, the dude changed the world, just who he was and he, he deserves it. Seat at the table with all the other people that you quote and um, the other people that you kind of read and things like that. And so felt like, man, Jesus is somebody that uh, is, is a lot more than just a, you know, religious figure or somebody that died for us, but is somebody that, gosh, you know, we want to be exactly like, and there's not really for us a reason worth living, you know, outside of Jesus. And, um, and so uh, we were at, we were, we just felt like uh, 
that was just such, had to be a huge part of um, our story and is and wanted, you know, what our future story, what we, what we wanted it to be. So, but it's great having Pam there for sure. That's great. Okay, what was it about Brie? I mean, she's her parents are have done you know medical work. They had a whole spent years in Bolivia with a, a medical clinic. Her dad's a doctor. Um, what what was it? I mean, is is it that care for the poor that brought you together? What 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 is it about Brie that you go okay? This is the one for me. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I've been been a fan of her hers and her families for, for years, I think, because of all that. I think uh, when they moved to Bolivia, Bree moved with them for about a year and translated for them. Um, Bree speaks fluent Spanish. And so, uh, and then she'd also been to Kenya multiple times kind of before that. And so I think even knowing that about her, that, you know, those are very much, many of the things on my heart, you know, is, is kind of just trying to see the world and change the world and make a difference, you know? And um, I think seeing, Knowing her family, they yeah, lived in Bolivia for eight years and helped so many, so many people. Started a clinic and uh, started different programs and uh, so many people that there have been helped because of their efforts. And I think you know, and so I think Bree's just kind of perspective in all those ways of like this kind of global perspective. I want to go, I want to go change the world. I want to make it. I want to make a difference. Um, I think was definitely the thing that drew me to her most. You know, was uh, was was kind of a common shared spirit. I think there and. Um, that, you know, I think we're still trying to figure out now, you know, as we're, as we're young married and trying to figure out what we want to do and knowing that we have kind of this big picture vision, but we also really want to just, you know, know, we know that the real power though really does come just from making a difference in your neighborhood and mm-hmm. loving the people that are on your right and your left. And, but I think her and her family and just the way that they connected in that way, yeah, it was definitely one of the huge things that drew me to her. Okay. For those who are listening, who are, you know, wanting to get married, wanting to find the right person, you know, going, man, that sounds awesome. Wish I could find someone like that. Or maybe they're in a relationship and it didn't work out. And they're like, oh my gosh, you know, I mean, before I met Pam, there was, there was someone that I was totally in love with. I thought I was going to marry her. I was just about to ask her to marry me and, you know, things changed. Um, I wasn't doing well spiritually. We broke up for a little bit. And when I came back at it, I just, my feelings had changed. Any advice to, to people that are, are really struggling or, or just wrestling in their faith, especially when it comes to dating, finding the right person. It's a big, it's a big issue. Yep. Um, totally is. You know, I just, we just, we've been working in the campus ministry the last uh, few years. And um, obviously it's a big hot topic along with, you know, now we're actually transitioning. We're helping with youth and family over the last, uh, you know, a few months and, um, and just, you know, it's a huge, it's a huge issue. And I, I do think, um, you know, in many ways it's, if I, if I could kind of give an encouragement, I think, you know, I think people kind of have in, in their mind that they, they know, you know, that I think cognitively that God's going to take care of them. They, they, I think know the right things to say, you know, they know the right things to think. It, it's a whole nother thing to believe it. And, and so to me, if there's any encouragement, you know, any girls are listening i just really feel like you guys are amazing and, and special and like and there's so much that god made you to be that's, that's outside of outside of that and i think that's just a it's a it's a part of who you know god created us to be but to me there's there's so much more and uh and to me it's 
waiting to and, and not lowering your standards, you know, and just saying, man, I, I really believe, but I'm, I'm not going to let that be kind of the thing that, you know, I'm not going to cheapen, you know, my expectations and my walk, you know, to uh, try to get something there that um, at the end of the day, you know, like I, I look at, I look at guys like Jesus and look at guys like Paul and look at other people around the world that have changed the world that have obviously been single and, and know, gosh, there's so many um, amazing opportunities that come with that. And I think uh, for a lot of the guys, it's, it's easy to be the, it's easy to be a flirtatious dude. It's easy to be kind of the fun, a fun, happy guy. Gosh, it's a whole nother thing to be a guy of deep character and of love and a guy that listens. And I feel like um, that's the stuff that's most important at the end of the day anyway. And so um, when people cheapen that or they try to fast track that, you know, to, to get something that um, really, I mean, uh, doesn't supply the happiness that I think a lot of people think, you know, um, I think it, 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 uh, it's, it's heartbreaking to see people that, you know, but I think it's real. I think it's a real, it's a real thought. It's a real temptation. And I think it's, it's stuff that you shouldn't be ashamed of to have those thoughts. I think everybody kind of has those. And I think that's, I think God made us to kind of feel those things. Um, but God, I mean, gosh, there, there's so many stories out there of people that, uh, um, are, uh, you know, of all different, different sorts of journeys. It's not going to look the same for everybody. And, um, Okay, let's talk. Let's let's dig into JamQuest. Can you can you explain how it got started, the process, like what what was it that sparked this idea, and, and then we'll talk about the development of it. Yeah, sure. So, JamQuest, um, like you said a little bit earlier, started pretty simply with with a couple of things. One was sitting on my couch, thirteen years old, like you know you have to do when you're thirteen years old, <laughs> and uh, you know watching a commercial, and a commercial came on about a little boy in, uh, in Africa who was the head of his household. He was also 13 at the time, had little brothers and sisters and um, was taking care of them, was providing food for them, was protecting them, was taking them to school. And uh, his big sacrifice, you know, was giving them the, the plastic to sleep on while he slept on the dirt. And I remember just kind of being really struck by that when I was 13. I remember watching a, uh, a special, you know, I don't remember, I don't know if you ever watched those American Idol gives back mm -hmm. um, kind of specials and, um, there was a few things in there that really kind of stood out to me. And I remember wanting so badly to help. I went up to my room and grabbed all, you know, to my name, which was about 70 bucks, I think it was. And, you know, and uh, I was like, hey, I want to make a difference. I want to help. Uh, I remember watching this movie, too, with, with um, Zac Efron in it. So Zac Efron inspired me, man, you know, and uh, he he was uh, it was before I think the high school musical days where he uh, was an autistic uh, kid with his brother and wanted to be a runner. It was kind of his story of really wanting to run uh, in spite of his challenges. And I remember just, just kind of thinking through, like, okay, I want to do something to help. And so I just help somebody and make a difference. And um, I looked at what I had, and uh, to my name, I had a bag of Cheetos, and um, I had a basketball. And I was like, okay, what can I do with, with some of this? And I loved basketball and said, okay, how can I use this to really to, to help? Um, I'm young. I don't have much influence. I'm uh, I don't have any money, but uh, I got basketball. So how can I really use that? And uh, that year we were in my social studies class. We were uh, put, you know, one of our big projects was researching a need in the world and then and then doing a service project to help. And so uh, that was a great opportunity for me to research uh, orphans in Africa and, um, and ended up starting a basketball tournament, uh, just a three on three tournament for my middle school. And um, it was like, we had like 50 people raised just under $3,000. It was great. And, uh, and, and so that was kind of the beginning of it that just started. And, and I learned something um, 
huge that that year I felt like and, and what I learned was that uh, it doesn't take a whole lot you know to make a difference it doesn't take you being super rich or famous or having a lot of influence or having all the right ideas uh, but it just takes uh, just a decision it kind of just that simple decision to say hey I want to care I want to use what I have to make a difference and then it really blossomed from there which I can share about too but um, that was kind of the beginnings of it for sure that is so cool did you at that time have any idea that you'd still be doing it 15 or you know 13 years later no or, or 12 no, years I later thought, yeah i thought that was going to be a a one year one year deal you know it was my social studies project got a good grade and was like all right um i'm feeling feeling pretty good and so but then i felt like the next year I'm, i was going into high school that next year and uh and i think as i as it came that that following year as it came up again i was like man let's just go for it again and um and i think uh it became like over the years in my small town, it became just one of the biggest parties in Ridgefield, Connecticut. And um, <laughs> it grew every year. Uh, we, you know, but, but yeah, would definitely not have imagined it to be uh, where it is today. And uh, you know, uh, which is, you know, an official company and nonprofit that's been uh, you know, that's been all over the world and that's uh, gotten a chance to speak to thousands of people and, and, helped, you know, over 50 or 60, you know, kids go through high school in, uh, in Kenya and, um, gotten a, uh, had events all over the world and raised hundreds of thousands of dollars and, um, would never have imagined, you know, I mean, the biggest claim to fame I have so far is being on the Rob Skinner podcast. So I never would imagine that. <laughs> okay. So how, how much money, Thank you, by the way. How, how much money have you raised? Like, can you, do you have like a grand total figure? Like what, what kind of scope is, is Jam Quest now? Like what, give, give me some, uh, some idea of the scope of the project now and, and what you, what you've accomplished with it. Sure. So <clears throat> probably we've raised over $120,000, which, you know, in the grand scheme of things, um, isn't, isn't like a massive amount, but I think for me, I think, that's kind of the power of it because what, you know, it's never been something that's been a full-time job. You know, it's been something that was really organic starting in, in middle school and high school. And, um, and I think what I love about it is that to me, the what it, what it shows to me is that it, it, it doesn't really require, cause you know, you hear those stories of you raising millions of dollars and all over the world, it's this huge company of employees. And I think sometimes that can just be a little bit intimidating uh, for people that are like, okay, I, I can't do that. So I don't really know what, what I can, where do I start? And I think, um, you know, it started off as this middle school basketball tournament that now, you know, has raised that, but we've gotten to have, you know, just like so many different events all mm -hmm. over the country, right. uh, gotten to speak, you know, for, um, a lot of, a lot of different places, gotten to speak internationally in places like South Africa and Kenya and Costa Rica and Bolivia and mm -hmm. some different places like that. Um, uh, it's, you know, we, we've gotten to help kids in Kenya. We've gotten to help, uh, you know, other kids in places like Cambodia, we've gotten to help, you know, some kids here in the U S. Um, and so, and, and it's, and it's a company that's still going today and we still have donors today. We still have events. Um, right now it's uh, a lot of those kids that, you know, started off in the first one or married doing their own thing right now. And it's a whole new scope of, of kids. And so, um, so yeah, you know, we've, we've helped, uh, you know, 50 or 60 kids in Kenya would, you know, go all the way through high school and, wow. and paid for their secondary education. Um, and so that's a little bit of, you know, gotten different 
uh, awards and been on different uh, programs and um, and and so it's it's been a it's been a huge blessing and I think and it's the power of just kind of planting a seed and, and watching what God does right uh, what God does so when you watch that TV show or that commercial and you saw that 13 year old that that touched your heart have you been able to connect with any of the people that that you've helped personally uh, do you have any stories that you can share that have inspired you since that time the people you've been able to help yeah so i'll tell you the story um you know it's there's a video of it on our website and uh it's it, it's a story uh, you know so it started in 2008 i got to go to i got to go to kenya for the first time in, in 2015 and um and i got to meet a lot of the kids we'd helped we helped out there which was you know i'm sitting in this i'm sitting in this classroom and there's a bunch of kids around me they're high school aged and you know someone asks Hey, who, who here has been helped by JM quest and, and they all raise their hand and mm. I just started kind of started bawling, you know, oh. because feeling like God had used me and used my family and, uh, it really have been a part of it. I felt like just so gratefully God had, had allowed me to be part of this story. But, um, a little later on that day, there's, there's a young lady that comes up to me. Her name's Valentine. And, uh, Valentine was this just sparkly, uh, amazing young woman about my age at the time. And, um, and she comes to me and says, Hey, Nick, can I, can I talk to you for a second? I say, yeah, of course. And she brings me aside and she says, Hey, um, Nick, you know, when I was, when I was 13 years old, uh, I actually, I got pregnant and I gave birth to birth to a little girl. And, um, it was kind of that time when that happened that I, I felt like just my life completely was altered. And, uh, I had no hope at that time. Uh, I felt like I, you know, I had to pull out of school. Uh, my dad could barely support my brother and I. Um, I had no idea where I was going to go. Uh, my dad had to pick up some extra things that he could help support, you know, my baby. And, um, and I had no idea what I was going to do. And, um, and so I was really scared and, and, uh, and I didn't know how I was going to pay for school. And, and, you know, in that, in that culture too, it's like education is the, is the, is the most sustainable way to break poverty, you know, in right. a lot of these places. And, uh, and so I think when you don't have that, it just feels like hopeless and it, you get stuck in this cycle. And so she says, um, you know, uh, it was in that time, you know, that actually the Jam Quest and Hope Worldwide found me and they gave me the fees bill to go to school. Mm. And uh, and she said, actually, I was able to graduate high school, you know, because of that. Uh, she was actually able to start her own small business in her community. Wow. And then she actually her thing that she loves to do is she actually now one of her main things is what she wants to go back and has gone back into the schools to try to mentor the kids there to help them realize that they can realize that their own potential and that they can, uh, they can be great and uh, they can, they can get through anything. And she said, Nick, you know, I came to visit you today and say hello. I came to travel, you know, to visit and say hello because my little uh, six-year-old daughter wanted me to come and tell you that you uh, helped change her life. Wow. And I think it was in that, in that moment right there for me, where I looked at her and I just totally just started crying mm -hmm. and felt like, um, that's it right there. You know, that, that's the kind of stuff that God does. And uh, it was in that day I had several conversations where people said, you know, Nick, uh, I felt like I was in the darkness and jam quest came in and brought me light mm -hmm. or I never believed in God. And, uh, this came and gave me belief in God for the first time, or I felt like I was hopeless. And uh, this gave me hope, you know, for the first time. And, uh, and so the, those are stories of, of some of the kids that we've, we've helped. I think jam quest tends to have two goals. You know, one is definitely help to help the kids over in Kenya. Another one, uh, which, you know, I can talk a lot more about is I really feel like, you know, 
there's a lot of 13 year old Nick's out there mm. that want to make a difference that want to make their life count that, you know, want to change the world that, ha- that have grew up in places where they can. And, uh, and they just need, they need some, they need some inspiration. They need some stories and they need, and they need some teaching on how to do that. Right. And it felt like, you know, at the time when uh, jam Quest was starting, there was about 2 billion kids in the planet. And, um, it was estimated about about that about a billion of them lived in some sort of poverty, which is crazy. Like one in two billion kids. Mm. I actually think if you were to add more of the emotional poverty, the spiritual poverty, um, that that would be a lot more. And you wouldn't really have to leave American high schools or middle schools to find a third world country. You know, if you were right. talking about right. the emotional go through, and felt like if you were able, if you were to take the the billion kids that are not in poverty and help train them and mobilize them to help the billion kids that are one kid helping one kid at a time and you change the world and make a big it, it would it would make a big difference and so one of the things jam we really want to do is we want to say hey you know as you're a 14 year old kid as a freshman in high school what do you what do you love to do you love play basketball you love to, you love art you love writing cards you love making sandwiches you love eating sandwiches you know what do you love to do like and then how can you use that to go make a difference and uh, and, and those are the stories to me that are just profound we have this girl zoe you know who ended up saying because jam quest after that kind of morphed into not just a basketball tournament but something that was kind of more built on hey what do you love to do how can you go use it to make a difference and so uh, this girl zoe said i love art and so she said i'm going to start an art exhibit teach people how to make uh, these art projects and also make art for kids in kenya Hmm. and uh, and she was able to mobilize her whole campus ministry at uh, radford university in virginia tech you know down in virginia and um and she, you know, after a few years of doing this became this huge event. After a few years, she says, you know, Nick, I found my passion. I didn't know that this was my purpose was to use my love for art to help people. Thank you so much for JamQuest for helping me realize what my passion is. Help me realize that I can really make a difference just by being myself. And, uh, and I think those are the stories, you know, people that started volleyball tournaments or started uh, writing cards in a card making campaign or uh, started parties or, uh, you know, had did things in their dance clubs or uh, different things like that, that used what they love and who they know and uh, use those kind of things to really make a difference all the way around the world. And so all of those stories of people that have done that to me are uh, uh, just show me that, Hey, this is something that I think people really want and are looking for and craving. And uh, we, we need more examples of, of people that um, just that are, are, are doing something, you know, uh, with their life and it doesn't take much it just takes you know kind of doing something and so um so many stories like that but i think that's the kind of stuff that obviously just kind of keeps me inspired and keeps me going the thing that strikes me is the idea that you can take a personal passion couple it with a spiritual ambition and it, it just makes things great it makes things happen that you can couldn't even imagine and and i like that because Jam Quest started with basketball at that time of your life. You were, you know, probably had dreams of the NBA or basketball. You know, I might want to go for this. Sure. <laughs> and me and James. Yeah, there I know it. I know you guys were big into basketball. And and yet you use that what you had, you had a bag of Cheetos and a basketball. That's what you had to had 70 bucks and then you multiplied it. And God God took that and just multiplied. And yeah. it reminds me of the story of, of Elijah when he asked the, the widow, says, what do you have? He says, I've just got this oil. And 
took that and just multiplied it. And it makes me, it's encouraging because everyone's got some type of a personal hobby or passion, something that they're really feel like, Hey, I like this. I'm good at this. And it's amazing how God can use that to bring him glory and, and do some, find other people that are like-minded and serve a spiritual purpose. So that's, that's kind of what I hear you saying. Any other advice for, for someone who's thinking, wow, okay, I don't have, it doesn't have to be basketball. I could do something else. Like if someone wanted to do something like that, whether it's a fundraiser, whether it's for orphans or for some other purpose, where do you start? Like what, what would you do? Like any advice with first three things that you should do if you want to start some type of a charity or service project? I think one of the models to me, you know, one of the, one of my favorite stories is when Jesus feeds the 5,000, you know, and uh, he says, Hey, you guys give him something to eat. And he said, okay, all we got is this kid that's got, that's got his lunch. And, uh, and so Jesus took that and multiplied it. And, um, you know, and I, I actually wonder if I was the miracle of multiplying the food, but I wondered if just this kid's generosity and him just doing something given, given what he had actually kind of opened up the hearts of a lot of other people that did have things as well they were just holding back and they all put something into the pile and said okay let's do this together and i find that um it, it really just starts with man looking at who's on your left who's on your right and what do i have and saying okay let me just do something and when i do something um god kind of takes that and, and helps it grow I, I think some i think our culture is obsessed with kind of the three-step plans and the uh 12-step you know 15-step programs to kind of get you where you need to go and those things are really helpful. I do think though, that I know for me, that can kind of overwhelm me sometimes, you know, and I think it's more just saying, okay, I, all I need to do is do something. I remember mm -hmm. my sister, you know, she was in high school and she said, um, I want to start this thing called the encouragement revolution. And she, mm -hmm. yeah, she said, I'm just going to write 50 cards. She loves writing. She loves encouraging. So I'm going to write 50 cards, um, for people in my school and for people I know, and friends, for people I have no idea who they are in freshman high school, for the janitor, for my teachers, for the principal, <laughs> I'm just going to write, uh, write some cards. And it blew people away. It was actually a project she worked on. She gave a presentation on it to the whole school, you know, by the end. And the principal actually ended up coming up to my parents and my sister saying, Mackenzie, you helped change our school. Mm. And uh, just because you, um, because of what you did. And she didn't do anything huge. She was just saying, okay, I love to write. I'm just going to choose to do something. And I think, um, I think it's, you know, what, what I would love, I really, I, I really believe that people's purpose and what they were meant to do in life. My dad always says this, he says, you know, your purpose is really at the intersection of three things. It's that what you love to do, what you're good at and what serves others. And at that intersection, I think you find kind of your sweet spot you find your purpose you find what you were meant to do. And, uh, and so what I would recommend, you know, I'm, I'm working actually on a book right now and uh, writing a book that you can just kind of put in a 15 year old kid's hand and say, go change the world. And uh, it's going to be entitled something like 1 billion kids, you know, three steps in how to change the world. Mm. And, uh, and it really comes down to me to, you know, number one, do you, what, what is it that you love? Um, what do you, what do you, what wakes you up in the morning? What, mm. what do you spend your time thinking about? What mm. do you spend your time doing? Uh, you know, do you like God created you with special purpose, special gifts, talents, opportunities, resources, I think he really wants to, for you to use those, not use somebody else's, but use yours to really make a difference. Do you, do you for others, you know, say, okay, how can I use this to make a difference? How can I use 
my love of singing to kind of go help change the world? How can I use, I, I love ukulele. How can I use that to make a difference? I love surfing. I love, uh, you know, writing cards. I love building things. I love, um, you know, telling jokes. I love making stories. You know, what is it that you love to do? And then, so do you, and then do you for others and then do you with others to me to like, nobody changed the world by themselves. They had a team grab, grab the people around you. You know, for me, it was my family. It was my, the kids in my school and, uh, said, okay, let's go do something together. And, um, and to me, just look at the people around you. So, okay, how are we going to do this thing together? And, uh, and dream, come up with something and then just go, just go put one thing into practice, go plant one seed. And then God usually kind of takes the rest of the way. That's great advice. What, what you're saying is just, just start, just, just get over the hump, stop making excuses and try something and, and see where it goes. That's, that's awesome advice and good luck. That's great about your book. You have any idea when that might come out? You know, that's been, uh, that's been, that's been the question, you know, um, for hopefully in the next year, you know, with us kind of moving into more of a youth and family role, uh, Jam Quest has actually started to take a little bit of new life uh, because we're working a lot more with middle schools and high middle schoolers and high schoolers and their families. And so I'm hoping that uh, actually Jam Quest is able to kind of go to a new place for the next year. So, uh, you know, watch out, watch out for that. And uh, hopefully over the next, the next year, year and a half, we'll, we'll have it out. Look forward to reading it. Where, so where are you working now? What, what are you doing and where are you living? We live in Atlanta, Georgia, and um, we work, you know, the last three years. Uh, I've worked at uh, Georgia State University with the campus ministry there, which is right in the heart of downtown Atlanta. Um, it's, uh, you know, a couple blocks away from where Martin Luther King's church was. Um, and it's, it's kind of downtown school. And we've been working with the greater, you know, kind of uh, campus ministry and um, here in North River Bree kind of started working with me a couple of years ago. We've been doing that, you know, the last few years. And we recently just transitioned out of that to now working full time with the youth and family ministry here in, in Atlanta in North River and um, getting a chance now to work with middle schoolers and high schoolers. And so that's that's kind of what we're doing full time. Really excited about it. feel like, uh, you know, there's something extremely inspiring about a high schooler that wants to do something to make a difference. Our middle schooler that inspires people like nothing else does. And uh, I believe there's uh, God, I think God wants to use families to change the world. And so we're really excited about that, but that's what we're doing now. So you were working at Georgia state and now you switched over to youth and family ministry. Yeah. Okay. So a couple things. One, what's it like working with Tom Brown? Tom Brown leads your church. Uh, he was my minister when I, when I became a Christian, what do you see in him? How's, how's he inspired you as a, as a church leader? Tom, Tom is one of the most unique and, 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 you know, wonderful, you know, people I've ever met in the sense of, uh, he is, he's, uh, we, we call him, we call him Bill Belichick, uh, for his, 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 genius, his genius and his mastery, you know, he's definitely more warm, you know, than Bill is, but, uh, he's a, he's a global thinker and dreamer. Mm -hmm. He's a master at that, at, at kind of the big ideas, the creative, juices he, he is just i've never seen anybody as as brilliant or as kind of like gifted in terms of just kind of all the different ideas and dreams that he has um and anybody that that you ask the thing they'll say most most thing the most inspiring thing about tom is just how he prays and his constant relentless prayer uh, you know just for everybody in the church on a on a consistent basis for uh you know that, that that's you know, you'll ask, you know, what's, what's one of the main, what's the main requirement for being a leader at North River? And it is 
prayer. And um, you have to memorize, you know, Philippians or First uh, Thessalonians three ten is you know night and day I pray most earnestly, you know, that I may see you again, and supply what's lacking in your faith, and just knowing that that the way to really move move a church, move ministry, move any anything is is by prayer. Tom sets an extraordinary example in that, but uh, he, I mean, the dude is is seventy years old and doing upside down push ups still, and uh, he's. He is incredible. So I want to be just like tonight when I grow up. <laughs> he is an inspiration, and I can't wait for uh, the day when I can interview him for the podcast. Please put in a, a little word for him, uh, for me, okay? Make sure. We'll do. All right. I, I, I talked to Jordan earlier, and uh, make sure that uh, you put in a word. I'd appreciate it. So th- that's inspiring. Now, you're doing youth and family. Parents must be fired up. What? What's working for you with the youth and family? Like, is there something you're excited about working with these these teens and preteens? How, you know, how I, are you getting, like, what I, I guess I'd wonder is, how are you inspiring that these kids to have their own faith and get, get personally excited, not simply because they have to, but because they want to? Yeah, you know, I think we, uh, we've been doing this for a couple of months in the middle of COVID. So it's, it's you know, we're just trying to, or, you know, it's a little bit different, but I do think that to me, like the things I really feel most, uh, you know, number one, I, I really feel like, especially with, with youth, I, feel, I just really believe that the youth have an opportunity to inspire the world like nobody else does. Um, if, a, if a fifth-year-old person does something, it's it's cool. If a 12-year-old does the exact same thing, it blows people's minds mm-hmm. and it has a chance to really inspire people like nothing else. And I think, um, and I think they need to be called to that level of expectation. They need a dream. They need somebody that believes in them and they need, they need, they need to be given the room and the space to, to do something. And, um, they need, I think they just need an inspiration. They need a, they need great voices and heroes in their life. I think there's a lack of heroes in our culture. You know, there's, uh, even in, I mean, obviously in the world in general, but even in the religious world, I think there's, there's a lack of, there can be a lack of heroes, you know? And I think, doesn't need to be somebody that you know raised a million dollars it's just like well man we just need really great dads we need dads that really listen we need dads that care and uh that are really willing to engage in their kids lives and spiritual walks and um i feel really excited about you know kind of working with working with families i feel like god just blessed me abundantly you know with my with my parents and i feel like um i think one of the biggest skills that any anybody can learn is just that the art of listening of, of listening intently to their kids and listening to their parents and, and, and engaging in, in conversations with each other. And um, I think when that happens, when you kind of really engage in that level, incredible things happen just with the everyday conversations that you have. And uh, so we're excited about that. Listening. Okay. What growing up in your, your family, your parents are exceptional parents. What do you wish that parents who you're working with would imitate from the background that you grew up in? What, what, if you could just say, Hey, listen, do what, what I grew up experiencing. What, what would it be? What would you like to just pass on? So, um, my dad was telling me the story the other day. He was at a, uh, at a, at a preteen camp, you know, a few years ago and it was asking some of the kids, you know, what, what, um, is the, what would you change most, you know, about your family? What, what's the hardest thing you feel like that you, that you just, you need. 
And a lot of them said, you know, one of the biggest problems is we feel like our parents really aren't listening to us. Mm. And uh, we don't really feel like they listen. And I think um, for me, one of the things about my dad and my mom is that they are extraordinary listeners. Mm. And they listen with just the, with, with, with curiosity, with the intent to engage, not with an intent really to teach or to kind of hold us accountable, but, but more just to listen, to get to know, to engage in conversations and uh, just the kind of the genuine curiosity. And uh, they would ask a lot of questions. And um, I feel like just that, that genuine curious question asking and listening is what a kid craves, you know, from their parents is to be heard and known and, and to talk and, or my dad just telling me things that he was going through and asking, Hey Nick, you know, what do you think we can do as a family just to help strengthen our family? You know, when I'm like in elementary school, and middle school, <laughs> and we'd ask those kind of things, but Hey, from what, what, from your perspective can we do? Or, um, and just that kind of consistent, com- those consistent conversations uh, on a weekly basis, hanging out, talking about deep things, not being afraid to go to those awkward kind of places, and, um, you know, and, and some of those darker, you know, kind of, uh, scary places and talk about those kind of things. And, um, and I feel like that was the biggest difference still to this, this day, you know, me and, me and dad talk every week and just trying to, and he still does the same thing. He listens and, and is really interested in, in, in my thoughts and perspectives in my mind. That just makes the biggest difference. I think as a, as a son, as a daughter, it's just that your parents are willing to engage there with you. Right. Right. I know your dad had, has a, a great relationship with his his dad, I remember him sharing about his relationship with his dad, his brother's sister, um, makes makes such a huge difference. Um, what? Okay, so let's go back to JamQuest. What I find interesting about this is, okay, so this this is kind of like a hobby now. This is kind of a, you're doing ministry now. JamQuest is kind of a side hustle, so to speak. It's, it's a personal passion, passion project or so. Um, a lot of people start things, but they, you know, it's like a one-off. It's just, Hey, I'm going to do this now, but you've kept this up for 12 years. Okay. How do you keep the passion going consistently trying to build it and spread it and encourage you know, other people for so long? Like what's kept you going over this time? Yeah. I mean, um, I'll be honest. I, I don't, I, I, it's, it's been challenging. And I think it's, um, I think it's, it's not from a place of just, I've just been always inspired and motivated and always feel like doing it, you know, when I wake up and um, it's been challenging. Even over the last couple of years, life just gets so busy and it's tough to figure out like, Hey, can I keep doing stuff like this? Can I keep right. this up? Did, did it serve its purpose? Right. And um you know, I think there are there are several things out there that, that do. They're there for a season and a time that really were meant to really make a difference in that time and God then has you move on to something else. And there are other things that I feel like keep keep going. And I'm I'm, I'm in that place with Jam Quest now where I really believe that uh, the last couple of years I've been wrestling with that. Like what what did God want for this? Is it meant to I, I think the only reason it's still here, honestly, is because God has allowed it to be. I don't think it's been because of my own effort or because I put so much into it. It's God has brought different things that have kept it going. And, um, and which has shown me that he really thinks this is still important and really wants me to kind of keep moving with it. And, uh, and so, so there've been thoughts that I'm going to shut this down. Are you you considering maybe winding it down? What, what's your plan for the future? There have been thoughts of, should I shut it down? Should I pass it off? Should I, uh, Mm -hmm. um, you know, kind of 
have it serve its purpose. And, um, and I've been thinking that, you know, for the last few years and, uh, and not out of a lack of, I really, I believe wholeheartedly in, in the, in its message and the value and of, of it all, but it was more just like, man, can I keep doing this? There, there, you know, obviously working in the ministry, there's so many things that so much creative energy and amazing kind of like things that happen there that kind of scratches sometimes that itch. And so there's other kind of part of it too, that's like, okay, what does God want? I think, uh, the fact that it's been around, the fact that God's moved us into the youth family, I think has been like, okay, God has been keeping it around because he believed, I think God really wants this to be a part of what we do going forward. And, you know, for a while, my dream was that we'd have the biggest, coolest youth development brand and company ever, you know, right. and that um, God would really use this to really inspire mostly people here to go say, hey, we can go make a difference. And, uh, and I think just kind of the knowing that you know, within the next 10, you know, 20 years, a majority of the world is going to be under the age of 25, mm. uh, I think is, is, is motivation to say, man, they, we need something that's going to, that's going to mobilize and help. Uh, and so I do think it comes with a big vision, but, but for me right now, my, I'm really trying just to listen to God's voice. I'm trying to take some time to sit and think and, uh, hear like, what is God really trying to tell me with all of this? And, um, and I think having people around you that you can just dream talk and dream brainstorm with is huge. Uh, having people like uh, my dad, having people like Tom, having some different best friends, you know, that we can dream with, I think actually kind of reignites that in me. Doing it by yourself is just so hard to find the motivation. So you need kind of the team around you, people that can just keep you talking and inspired and, right. and dreaming. Right. So that, that's the thing that's helped me a lot. Yeah. Makes me wonder where that's going to go. It's almost like it's uh, it's in the closet. You pull it out from time to time, but maybe it has a future purpose. It's going to continue to be a blessing to other people. So I'll be, I'll pray for you about that one. Yeah, thanks. Nick, from my perspective, I've known you since you were a, a kid. We visited you when you are in, in San Diego. You've always been a, a special kid. Um, what I would say, spiritual, like different. Um kind of an outlier and when I think about uh Malcolm Gladwell's Gladwell's book Outliers you're you're different I mean you're you you appear to me more spiritual than the average kid you know more sincere more just you're just different and I, I wonder you know I think about the example of Samuel in the Old Testament you know kids was he was different I mean his kids raised in a temple spiritual saw visions early on um must have caused problems for him he was just a a, a different kid uh, joseph was different and he was uh you know saw visions dreams early and there's a lot of jealousy around him um do you ever do you ever feel different like how's that felt like growing up i mean just from your perspective on your side of things knowing that you're, you're doing some things and acting in ways that I wouldn't say are typical. Yeah. You know, I actually just finished that book outliers like a few weeks ago. And, um, you know, in that book, it talks about how really outliers are people that just were born into great environments. And I really, I really believe that that's, uh, a lot of it is just, you know, starting from my grandparents, people that stayed faithful to each other and, uh, generosity and hospitality is at the center of who they are. And, um, that obviously passing down to my own family, you know, parents and family. I think um, I just got really lucky, I think, to be uh, where I was. And very little of it, you know, you can um, 
you can say was my own doing. I think it was just the environment. And it shows that, you know, generational, you know, planting seeds really has lasting impacts for generations to come. And uh, even if it's you, but your grandparents, your grandkids might be the ones that really like benefit, you know, from the seeds that were planted uh, way back when. Uh, and so, yeah, I think, you know, um, there have been many times where I felt like an outlier. I think being obviously being a Christian in high school that uh, is, makes you feel that way. Uh, I think for me, um, to me, what I, what I have felt lately is there's a um, kind of this thought of like, man, I don't really believe that there's been anybody in the world that's been, as, that's been blessed as much as I have in mm. terms of my family, my friends and my uh, opportunities. And um, I don't think there's been anybody that's been more, more blessed than me. And I think what that's done over the last few years for me is I think it has made me feel like, okay, if there's anybody in the world that should, doesn't have an excuse to be weak or doesn't have an excuse to complain um, or, uh, you know, that, that's me. And, and so the times that I have felt weak or I felt like um, that's actually been, it's been tough for me to kind of work through those because I felt like I'm letting God down, you know, for giving me all that he has. And, uh, and it can kind of feel sometimes for me like, man, is, is God like, Nick, I gave you all this. So I expect great things from you. And, um, you know, you better make me proud. And when I don't, when I fall up short with those things, I can feel like I'm kind of letting God down or I, I, he's not able to use me in the way that he really wants. And, uh, and so I think that's been something I've been wrestling with over the last couple of years. And what I've, what I've come away with that with is, um, and it's come out with, with my dad, my own dad. And, uh, and I think it's just remembering that, man, God is, is just proud of me just for, just for, just because I'm his son. And, and um, it's not because I do anything. It's not because, um, because of all the achievements that I have, but he's just proud of me just because of, just because I'm his son. And uh, he, but you know, our, my, my greatest goal in life is to really just maximize what he's given me. It's really use all that I have to make a difference. And like you talk about all the time, just make, making my life count, living with no regrets of like, and I gave it everything I had. I used, I used everything that I had. Uh, and so I think in that, I feel like I can feel a little bit like an outlier of like, even that I've been blessed so much that I need to, I need to like, nobody has, I don't have an excuse. And I think what's helped me with that is saying, Nick, you're still weak and you still, you still need God and you still need uh, him just like everybody else does. And so stay close. Don't let your surroundings and talents and passions and uh, kind of, kind of distract you, you know, from just the simplicity of getting time alone with God and being filled by him and walking closely with him and bowing down before him and submitting myself to him. Mm. And, uh, I think that that's been a lesson. I think that's for me, it's, it's really been one of the biggest ones I've, I've been learning in the last couple of years, especially. So you feel like what John Louis mentions in his book about kind of unrelenting expectations. You, you've been gifted so much and you don't necessarily feel pressure from your parents or, or, but you, you just put it on yourself. You feel like I've been given so much from whom much is, is given, much is expected, basically. So yeah. maybe grace is a challenge for you to, to you know, internalize. Yeah, grace and, and rest of just kind of saying, you know, and, and, and knowing that God, God's going to take care of the rest. You know, it's mm -hmm. not up to me to make everything happen. That God, Nick, you know, do your best. And uh, but I, I got you. You know, I'll take care of everything else. Yeah. I mean, your life has certainly been charmed. What have you found to be some of your biggest challenges or setbacks? Like, has there been, ever been a time where you go, man, 
you know, everyone thinks I'm just cranking, but I'm really struggling with this challenge here. Yeah. I mean, it's, I think, I think when, you know, people, uh, I remember people in other countries I remember one time, you know, said, man, we pray for you guys in America all the time because you have so much stuff and much, it much, it must distract you, you know, from just being with God and, and hearing his voice. And I, I do feel like one of the biggest things is, is kind of just not getting distracted, you know, by, all that's going on. And, you know, and I think for me specifically, I think it is, uh, you know, I think there is, you know, I remember my cousin, Tom, you know, telling me, telling me once Tom McGurk, you know, saying, uh, you know, hey, Nick, you're, you're like a wild, you're a little bit like a wildfire. You need to learn how to become like a laser, you know, you need to. And one of the things you got to really get great at is being vulnerable with your weaknesses, being open, being, being willing to look bad because it's going to be so easy for you to rely on your talent, rely on, um, you know, kind of being able to kind of look better than you are and, uh, and not kind of be real. And that, that's definitely been a struggle of kind of really being, being vulnerable and being real and not um, kind of letting, you know, kind of relying on talent or family or friends or situation to get me through, but is intentionally kind of having that desperation for God of every day choosing to, pray, bow down, and really kind of like, you know, tremble before God in many ways um, and, and just kind of still have that reverence and humility, even though uh, there's, there's so many blessings around me um, and still having that desperation of like, man, but all this still, it comes from God. It doesn't come because, because I'm awesome. And so that's definitely been a main right. struggle for sure. Do you have any advice for those who, who want to make this life count? Any, any final words that you just go, okay, I, if, I, if there's one thing I could say to my generation, this is what I'd like to tell them. I can tell them, I think just, man, think about when you're 80 years old and looking back in your life and like, what do you really want to say that you did? You know, like for me, I really want to, I really want to like look back and say, man, I, like that was a roller coaster. And I, I like, have my hands up the whole way, just screaming, you know, cause it was a blast. <laughs> and it's just, it's got its ups and downs, you know, and it's, it's not going to be perfect, but, um, gosh, like we have more of a, more of an opportunity right now than ever, you know, I, I think in, in the history of the planet to, um, to change, to make a difference. And there, there's more of an awareness about the world. There's more of an access to things. There's more of an ability, uh, than ever before to, to really make a difference. And so, um, I just feel like, man, we just gotta, we gotta, we gotta do something. I think, you know, Jesus and who he is and the, and, and, and the simplicity of who he is to me is more real and, um, and relatable and, uh, able to be taught and preached and received more than ever in this time. Um, I think we have a, a great opportunity to come together. I think the world right now in this year has been showing us that, uh, you know, has been teaching us that we're, we're fragile but we can also come together that we need to, we need to come together. But to man, to make this life count, I'm like, you know, there's, there's that study from Harvard, you know, that's, that, that's 70, 80 years long, you know, that talked about the key to happiness and uh, studied all different kinds of guys and said, man, the key to living a happy life is loving relationships. And at the end of the day, it is really about taking care of the most important stuff around you and your family and your best friends, and, mm. um, the people on your right and your left. And to me, if that stuff's taken care of, it doesn't really matter what you do with the rest of it. You know, uh, that that's, that's, that's worthy of a life that really matters is just kind of the, 
the relationships around you. And if you can just excel at those, excel at being a dad, excel at being a really great brother, excel at being a really great son, you know, or uncle or aunt or, you know, then or you know, mom, like, man, if you just excel at that, then your life really counted and made a difference. And uh, right. it's ma- majoring in those things to me is the, uh, is the biggest thing. And then listening to God and he's going to direct everything else. And he's going right. to help you figure out everything else. Excel at being a dad, excel at being a parent. Any plans for kids? You guys going to be having kids here soon? Yeah, you know, it's definitely starting to become a, a hot topic. We turned, <laughs> turned 27 yesterday. And, uh, so she's she's definitely like, hey, so where are we going to be when I'm 28? You know, and, and so um, definitely more in our minds. You know, we'll see all of our best friends are having, having kids right now. So uh, definitely on our mind for the next, you know, next little bit we'll see what we'll see what happens how about mission work planting so you, you have any plans to go overseas to to go back to central or south america or to africa or even domestic planting i think if you were to ask me three years ago you know when i was coming out of college and um you know a little bit of a nomad lived a lot of different places in my life i would have said totally in, like that's i want to go see the world i think um what i've really learned over the last few years is, is the value in having a place where you're really helping build and train people up to be, become those people. And I think one of the things I love about North River, one of the things you would hear Tom probably heard Jordan say was, uh, was being an aircraft carrier and mm-hmm. uh, having a place where we can really be a home for people, a place to a hub for training and inspiring, and then really sending people around the world to really make a difference. And mm-hmm. I, f- I see a lot, I'm, I'm finding a lot more of the uh, kind of motivation there where uh, we get to be a great hub to really inspire and train people to go do that. And, kind of really get to build that here in a unique way, you know, in Atlanta and have already seen so many people go out and do great things. Um, I do think, you know, my parents being in, <clears throat> in Vermont, you know, uh, being with a small church there, I think it's such a, it seems like such a fun uh, opportunity and time and knowing your guys' stories and uh, Oregon and, and Arizona and that, just feeling like uh, that stuff just seems really fun. So yeah. that's definitely kind of in the, on the radar as far as things that would be really fun, you know, kind of getting to go, adventure and preach the gospel where it's never been preached. Um, but, uh, but for right now, I think we really see the value in learning how to be great builders where we are and try to inspire and help people here to, to be sent out, you know? Yeah. So. Well, you're certainly we'll apprenticing in a great environment with Tom Brown and, and some great people around you. So that's an awesome blessing, but I look forward to tracking your progress and see what God does over the next 40, 50 years. It's going to be amazing. I, I look forward to, to seeing that happen. Nick, thanks so much for joining the show today. I really appreciate it. Rob, thanks so much for having me. Thanks for just being being family. Yeah, absolutely. And I want to thank you today for listening to the Rob Skinner Podcast. My goal is to inspire you to make this life count, to live a no regrets life, and to multiply disciples, leaders, and churches. If you enjoyed the program, I'd like to ask you to subscribe to it. Share it with your friends. Let, let your friends and family know about it. Have a great day and make this life count.